0: Today in the spiritual life, we're going to discuss a spiritual direction. We're going to see who should go and seek for it. We will also see Saint Francis telling the devil to put filth in his mouth, and Saint Bernard is going to tell us that he's not able to guide himself. This is a spiritual life, and I'm your host, Father Carlos Sepeda. You are listening to the Catholic Wire. Welcome to a new episode of The Spiritual Life. As I said, today we're going to be discussing spiritual direction. And this is a topic, actually, that I've been wanting to cover for a while. I think it's something that is neglected uh, quite often. There is a reason for it. It's it's not as easy as it seems. But we will discuss, you know, what a spiritual direction should have as a quality, uh, who should seek for spiritual direction, and why is it so important. So let's begin by the beginning. What is spiritual direction exactly? To put it simply, spiritual direction is a moment where a commitment is made between the confessor and the penitent. A commitment is made on the side of the penitent to be serious about about improving their spiritual life. And that person requests, therefore, a spiritual guidance from the confessor. They make a commitment on the one side to obey the confessor, to listen to his advice, to be sincere and honest with them, Uh, Not only for the things that are necessary for confession, as mortal sins, but even venial sins, imperfections, things as such. Their mode of prayer, their spiritual reading, all those things. On the other side, there is a commitment on the part of the confessor to put effort, time into the sanctification of the penitent. Now the confessor takes it as, uh, if you will, as a spiritual trainer. He takes it as if he was... The person in charge of this project of the project of the sanctification of the penitent so what's essential what makes the spiritual direction different from confession is that that there is that commitment on both sides on the penitent to follow the guidance of the confessor and the confessor to put effort and time into leading the penitent not just now to be rid of of, uh, sins but even now to reach the heights of perfection and that is the purpose of it to reach to to reach perfection for those souls who are seeking for it why is it necessary though well let's think about our present situation right now you want to improve your spiritual life you want to give sin away forever you want to be more devout you want to secure your salvation do you really need someone else to guide you absolutely speaking It is not absolutely necessary. It's not like you cannot be saved, you cannot be holy unless you have a spiritual director. If you're lacking one, if you don't have someone who could take this role, of course, the Holy Ghost will supply, you know, God will supply. If you are not in the possibility of finding a spiritual director, which will be the case for many people today. But if you do have a spiritual directory, or if you have someone who could take that role, then it is necessary. Any science, any art, anything that is worthwhile requires a teacher, requires someone that is an expert to pass the knowledge, to pass his wisdom to the new generations, to the disciples, to a student. Any science, if you want to be a sculptor, if you want to be a painter, if you want to be a musician, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be a physician, anything that is worthwhile requires for you to be taught by others. Because we are imperfect beings and we are prone to error. Sanctity, holiness, which is so personal, so interior, so difficult to discern, of course will also require a spiritual teacher. It will also require a master to lead you through those ways where it is so easy to be lost if you're proud about it and if you don't take the proper care. There is something else that makes uh, the necessity of spiritual direction quite evident. The spiritual life obviously is about us reaching God and improving in the order that God has established. Now, that means that we have to do things the way God wants us to do them. But God has established an order. If you look at all of creation, there is always an order of hierarchy. And in the spiritual life, this is no different. There is an order of hierarchy where God wants people who are higher in perfection or higher in dignity, sometimes maybe not in perfection, to lead people up. So, for example, the angels, it is said in theology that the higher angels illuminate and illustrate and, and teach the lower angels, bring them up to higher knowledge. Uh, this is hard to explain. But the same thing happens in the church. Leo the XIII says, God, in his infinite providence, has decreed that men, for the most part, should be saved by men. What this means is that God wants other men to cooperate in your sanctification, in your process of salvation. If you look at the lives of the saints, if you look at the stories of the saints and their writings, you will find proofs of this everywhere. But for now, just suffice it for you to understand then that it is God's will that men men's souls are saved by other men's effort as well now this hierarchy of course is going to be in a certain way combined with the hierarchy of the church so just as in the church you have lay people and then priests and bishops and popes then there is a certain order also of how we are supposed to be led to perfection and for that the lay people are led by the priests and the priests are led by the bishops, and the bishops are led by the popes. Somehow, let's think that someone might not be convinced quite yet. One might say, well, why do I need a spiritual director to be holy? Again, this is not absolutely necessary, but let me give you two reasons why this is very important. Sanctity, remember, has two processes one is to get rid of the bad things the other one is to acquire the good things now the first one when it comes to attaining sanctity you have to get rid of your mortal sins your venial sins and your defects it is no secret to you i'm sure that human beings are quite uh they're quite soft on themselves you know we're very we tend to be very forgiving with ourselves we see our faults as smaller than they are, something that might be a huge sin, we don't see it as, as terrible as we should. Uh, something that is a venial sin, perhaps that is very annoying, or, that, or that, is a very, uh, that is quite a hindrance to our sanctity, we might see it as something that is not a big deal. But you see very strongly the things of others. And if someone else looks at our sins, at our defects, they will see them in in a lot bigger, in a bigger lens, they will see them in a much uh, better light. They will see them with much more truth. Not only this, but sometimes we have defects, we have sins, that we consider them to be virtues. You know, you might be, for example, a person that is very choleric and that gets angry easily and you might say to yourself, I have a lot of zeal. Well, no, what you have is a lot of anger. Or you might say to yourself, oh, I'm very humble, I'm very humble, I'm very humble. No, you are a coward. So there is a lot of things that you might say or see in yourself and think to yourself, well, how virtuous I am in this thing or that thing. And if someone else looks at you from afar, they will be able to say, "Uh, no, that's just your human nature, or that's just a flaw of your character, or that's just you committing a venial sin. You need someone else to tell you. Physicians never diagnose themselves if they are smart. Every physician, no matter how advanced he might be, when he has a disease, he will go to someone else to ask for advice, he will go to someone else to be diagnosed and be treated. And many times the physician will disagree with what the other doctor is saying, but he has to follow his advice because he knows that he's not a good judge in his own case. I had a friend, may he rest in peace, very good man, He was a traditional Catholic, and he he was an uh, uh, how do you say that an urologist, and he had uh, unfortunately he had cancer in his colon, and he was a great urologist. I mean, he was close to the board of the hospital. I think he made it to the board of the hospital, and um, when he had cancer, he would not diagnose himself. And I remember visiting him, and he would disagree with what the doctors were saying but he would just follow their advice because he knew as a doctor you cannot treat yourself you are you can make many mistakes because you love yourself or you deceive yourself so in spiritual life it's exactly the same you need someone else to tell you those things there is a second reason the positive side now to attain sanctity you also need to practice virtue you need to go do good exercises But what's more important, you need to persevere on them. It makes no difference, or very little difference, I should say. If you start all these good things, all these good actions, if you start praying and doing your meditation and doing penance and fasting, whatever you might want to do, and one month later, you stop it. Or you do it for three days, and then another three days, you let it go, and then another three days, you start, and then two weeks later, you let it go. That's no good. And for that, you need a spiritual director to help, to help you persevere. You see many people go to a gym and they, they start in the gym and they go there for a week and they go really hard at it. They take the membership and they pay for the membership. And that's the business of the gyms. And then they let it go. They won't persevere, right? Uh, they go to McDonald's and they eat a pizza and they say, well, today I'm too tired. I'm not just not going to go. And they never get fit. They pay a lot of money to the gyms, but they never get fit. Well, again, the spiritual life is just the same. If you had a uh, trainer, instead of going to the gym, if you had a personal trainer on your back, checking you to make sure, calling on you to see that you're you're, you're making it to the gym, you know, pushing you to do more push-ups, correcting your posture so that you do them right, or when you're doing weights to telling you, okay, no, you have to do this many and you have to do it this way. And, you know, do it slower so that it's good for you. The exact same thing happens in the spiritual life. You need a spiritual director to check on you, to make sure that you are persevering, to call you up on it if you're not, to tell you, hold on, do this slowly, do this in this way, do this in that way, you're do- you can do it better so that you profit from it. It's the exact same thing. And for all these things, really, the best way and almost it's almost uh, necessary, I would say, morally at least, to have a spiritual director. Now let us go to our quote from the saints. Today for our quote from the saints, we have one from St. Bernard, and he says, I know not what others think of themselves in this matter. For myself, I speak from experience, and I hesitate not to say that I find it easier and safer to direct many others than I do to guide myself. That's from St. Bernard. He knew what I was just speaking about, that it is a lot easier to see the defects, the virtues also in others, because you're seeing them without passion, you're seeing them without interest. There is nothing in there to hinder your, your visibility, your perception of the truth. While when you are seeing yourself, there are many ways in which you will blind yourself, you will be uh, hindered to see the truth about this passion that might be encouraging you, or this other uh, defect that might be lurking in there without you noticing it. In the religious life, there is a certain warranty, a a certain assurance that when you do what your superior tells you to do, of course, we are excluding something that would be sinful or against faith or morals, uh, if you do what your superior tells you to do, you have the certainty that you're doing God's will, even if you don't like it, even if it's something that to you doesn't seem as fitting or as appropriate to the time. Something like that happens in spiritual direction. I'm not saying that a spiritual director is infallible. You should not consider your spiritual director as an exclusive source of light. You can go to other priests, you can go to books, you can even argue some of the things. Uh, I would say that humbly and very rarely. But if in spiritual direction, your priest has a choice between something good and something that might be good as well, something that might be better, and he tells you do this one instead of that one, you have an assurance that that is what God wants you to do. You have an assurance that that is what is pleasing to God. Because you could be scourging yourself every day. But if your spiritual director tells you, no, instead of scourging yourself, let's do this. Why don't you humble yourself towards this one person that you don't like? Why don't you go and obey your husband or, or obey your boss or obey this or that person that you, you don't uh, usually agree with? That is more pleasing to God. And God is showing you that through the spiritual director. Something that they say often in, spirit, in religious life. You are guaranteed that if you follow your ecclesiastical superiors, if you follow those who have the place of God in the church, the priests, the bishops, the pope, if you follow them, you cannot err. As long as it's not against faith or morals, I, I emphasize that. You have that that warranty from God, that certainty from God. But if you follow yourself, God has never given any warranty about that. He has never given any assurance that if you follow yourself, you will not go into error. Quite the contrary. In scripture, it says the opposite. It says, he who has himself for a teacher has a fool for a teacher. And that's why St. Bernard said, it is safer to direct many others than to direct oneself. Now we come to a very important point. This is actually something that I have to stress. Who should seek for spiritual direction? I fear that watching this video, especially being put out there on YouTube and places as such, people might see it and they might think to themselves, well, I could really use a spiritual trainer. I could really use a personal spiritual trainer. I want to get a spiritual director because, you know, I always have trouble with my girlfriend or I always have issues with my wife or my husband or, you know, I struggle with my teenage kids. Uh, And no, that's that's not the matter of spiritual direction. Those are things for the confessional. Those are things for uh, spiritual guidance, you could say, but not for spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is meant for something entirely different. It is not supposed to be... uh, an appointment with the psychiatrist it is not supposed to be meant to discuss personal problems the aim of spiritual direction is actually very specific very practical so who should seek for spiritual direction if you're seeking to have more and better prayer if you're seeking to have a more mortified life if you're seeking to be more committed to your faith in short If you're seeking to strive for spiritual perfection, that's what you seek spiritual direction for. That's what it's for. Not only that, but it's not something that you could just say to yourself, well, today I feel like I want to be holier, so I'm going to call the priest and I'm going to ask for spiritual direction. No, this is something that there should be a time. There should be uh, you should have seen for a while that there is some inspiration of grace, that you're being moved towards that. I'm not saying that you should be perfect. What I'm saying is that you should see in yourself a constant, a constant motion to a desire for perfection, to a desire for holiness, that kind of thing. Now, does this mean that spiritual direction is supposed to be meant for some kind of a spiritual elite, that only a few people should have it and, you know, Me, myself, a sinner, I should never have it. No, what it means is that you should try to dispose yourself so that you are ready for it. And that's the point. It's something that you decide to do, but you have to be serious about it. You have to be committed to it, willing to persevere on it, willing to sacrifice for this goal. So those are the people that should seek for spiritual direction. If you're not quite there yet, then dispose yourself try to take uh try to use the confessional first as confessional meaning to try to take the advice of the priest when it comes to getting rid of sin try to take the advice of the priest to try to get rid of distractions of evil friendships of evil conversations and then as you see yourself more seriously persevering in this and frequent frequenting the sacraments then there comes a time where you say okay I'm at a point now where I'm not using the spiritual, I'm not using the confessional so much to confess sins. Now I need it to improve in my spiritual life. And that's when you get to spiritual direction. Now, there might be some occasions where it is not you that comes up with the, the idea, it is not you that has the initiative, it might be your confessor. some sometimes the confessor might see a person and they might realize, okay, this person is actually ready for something more. This person is someone that uh, I should try to lift up a little bit more in their spiritual situation. And so in those cases, the confessor might say to you, you know what? You should try to come to spiritual direction. You should try to do mental prayer. You should try to improve your spiritual life because you're in a good place right now. You don't want to waste that. So in those cases as well, you would seek for a spiritual director. Now we come to a topic that might be a little bit thorny. What should be the qualities of the spiritual director? This is a tough one. In normal times, you would read, St. John of the Cross, I believe, says this. In normal times, there was a scarcity of priests. And among, you know, the few number of priests, there was an even smaller number of spiritual directors, of priests who would be able to, to lead souls. Now, in our day, th- truth be told, you will struggle to find a priest that has the time or the compatibility or the willingness even to act as a spiritual director. This is no, in no way a criticism against priests. Uh, they might have very valid reasons. Priests are very busy. They might see that it's not really necessary. Or they might find themselves modestly and humbly. They might think of themselves as incapable. So there is no criticism against priests, but the truth is there is a scarcity and you might not find the spiritual director uh, pretty much anywhere near you. But there might be options. Let's say that you have options. It's good to know what qualities should a spiritual director have. St. Theresa of Avila gives us two. St. Francis de Sales gives us three, but his three really you can uh, summarize them in the two of Saint Teresa. And you know, I used to be a Carmelite, so I like Saint Teresa too. We will say the ones from Saint Teresa and we will mention the ones of Saint Francis in there. Now, the first quality that a spiritual director should have is sanctity. Saint Francis de Sales would say he has to have prudence and charity, which both can be understood in sanctity. Does that mean that he has to be a holy man? We're talking about an ideal situation. Your spiritual director might not be a holy man. You might see defects in him, or rather, he might not be as holy as you would want him to be. He might have defects. But you know, he's someone that preferably would have a high degree of virtue. Why? Because if someone is going to give you advice about how to reach holiness, preferably you would want someone who has walked the road before. He has trodden the road before. He has experience of what he's teaching. He has experience of how to pray. He has experience on how to deal with temptation and conquer them. He has experience on uh, how to acquire certain virtues, how to mortify oneself. All those things require that he is up up higher, you could say, in the degree of virtue. Again, this is an ideal situation. If a priest is not as holy as you would want him to be, or even as holy as you, you could say, Uh, Does that mean that he's not good to be your spiritual director? No, he can still be one, but the ideal would be for a person to be holier, to be a saintly person. The only, the other reason why you would need sanctity is because you will need someone who has a fervent love of God to trample upon human respects, to trample upon temptations and to be patient with you and zealous In the care of your soul a priest that is your spiritual director will need to say things that might be insulting to you he might need to say some harsh truths to you he might need to call you up on very shameful things and shameful i say for example in telling you you're proud or telling you you think yourself better than others or telling you you're disobedient or things as such and for that you need to have seal he will also have to put a special effort. He will need to give a little bit more time to you. He will need to have a special care in putting interest in your soul. And that is not always easy, especially if, if priests are quite busy. So for that, he needs to be also filled with charity. We also mentioned prudence then as part of sanctity, as St. Francis would put prudence in there. Prudence would be very important for a spiritual director in that he has little regard for his own views. He speaks confidently when he knows things, of course, but he always follows advice from others. He studies about topics that he might not understand. He is prudent enough enough to balance the view of things that he has with the, uh, the view of others, and so is careful not to shoot from the hip. And he's also prudent, and he needs to be prudent, in order not to put souls in danger in order not to just uh, go with his passions or with his ideas rashly. He needs to go with what the church has always taught, with what the saints and and confessors have always practiced. So for that, you need great prudence. The other quality that Saint Teresa gives us is knowledge. Now, if a priest is not holy enough, I was saying that a priest might not be very holy. But he could still be a good spiritual director, as long I would say, as he has knowledge. So Saint Teresa actually is the one that said this. She said that she would prefer a knowledgeable priest, uh, even if he is not as saintly, than a very holy priest who is not knowledgeable. Why is this? Because a priest that is knowledgeable knows what he knows. His stuff. He knows that you know what he's learned by books. But he also knows what he ignores. This is kind of weird to, to say it, but a priest knows what he should prudently ask about. So, for example, let's say that a priest has never had uh, mystical experiences. He has never had, uh, I don't know, uh, visions or, or contemplation or any kind of a higher degree of prayer, but he has read about it. He has read the lives of the saints. And so if a person comes to him with such things, he knows a little bit of it. He knows at least that he should be prudent about it. He knows where to study about it. He knows who to ask. And so that's why knowledge becomes very, very necessary for a priest not to make big mistakes in this kind of sense. Now, the next question would be how to judge, how to judge what the situation of a priest is in, this, in, in these qualities. I'll begin by saying I wouldn't dare to mention this at all, because I don't think people should be judging priests, if it wasn't because Tanqueray actually mentions it in his book, The Spiritual Life. He gives actually guidelines to the faithful to discern. We could summarize it in this. If you go to a priest for spiritual direction, and the things that he says to you are consonant with faith, they're consonant with good morals, and you find yourself a spiritual benefit with his advice or you find even just stability to persevere in your spiritual practice then you could say that is a good spiritual director a good enough i could say a spiritual director if there is something that you find out not to be according to faith or not to be according to good morals or that actually has bad results for you notorious i'm saying bad results you know that your health is injured, uh, your duties of state are compromised, um, your fervor is diminished uh, for something that is notoriously off in what the priest has told you to do, then it's time perhaps to change or to ask for advice to someone else. Laity should not constitute themselves judges of priests. What should you do then? If something doesn't seem right to you, Then you go and consult with another priest that's what you should do if you have the opinion of another priest that tells you something differently then at least you can say well i can trust him now for example if there is something that is a serious issue and you ask several priests and most of them agree on something then you can have some guidelines to recognize what is the best option in something for these you can also always have access to bishops now I'll make a brief parenthesis here. You want to have access to traditional Catholic bishops and traditional Catholic priests who have been formed with the theology, the moral theology, the ascetical theology, the sacred scripture studies that were done before Vatican II, The, the studies and the teachings of the church for 2,000 years, not the ones after Vatican II where their teachings are entirely new and not trustworthy. Now, to finish this whole point, one last thing. This judgment of the priest, uh, or rather, let's call it your choice of the priest. And your evaluation of whether he's helpful to you or not. This should be done before you commit to spiritual direction. So you go, you ask for advice, you talk to them, whatever. And then you say, okay, well, this is a person that I can help, that I can use his help. You should not do this after. Because if you go to spiritual direction, always judging and thinking to yourself and, and worry about what you're going to hear there, well, that's not going to work. You need to go to spiritual direction with a docile spirit, taking whatever comes from the priest's mouth, as long as it's with us, as always, with good uh, faith and morals. Taking everything that the priest tells you as if it was said from God, as if it was from our Lord Jesus Christ, taking it with a good heart, not judgmental not uh, nitpicking here and there. So that's why you wanna do that judgment. You want to evaluate the situation before you commit to spiritual direction. Now let's go to our stories of the saints. (laughs) For our stories of the saints, we have actually one of my favorite stories of all time regarding uh, the saints. Uh, This is a story of St. Francis, and it's not a story that you would read in most lives of St. Francis because it is quite uh, unusual. There was a brother that was living with, uh, this is uh, late in the life of St. Francis, and there was a brother that was very holy, and he was tempted by the devil in a very unusual way. Now, remember that in the times of St. Francis, he was sort of a spiritual director. He was the superior of the order, and he was, uh, at least in a, in a spiritual way, he was the superior of the order. And he, he was a spiritual director to many of his, uh, of his priests and brothers. And this brother, what happened to him was the devil appeared to him in the form of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he said to him, why do you work so hard? there's no use to your works and there's no use to your prayers because you will be doomed to hell anyway. You have been predestined to go to hell. So stop your works and stop your prayers and don't even go to that Francis, the son of Bernardone, Bernardoni because he's also damned. And so he left. Well, the monk, um, you might think to yourself, well, I wouldn't believe that, but the devil is very clever and he's uh, he has ways to to mimic our lord in a very powerful way and so it was a big shock for the monk because it seemed to him that our lord had told him that had told him that and this happened several times it wasn't just once so at one point he was very tempted very distraught about it and he started uh, he didn't pr- do a lot of his practices anymore he was still trying to persevere but he was very afflicted because he truly started believing that he was doomed. And he also lost confidence on St. Francis. Now, he didn't tell anything to anyone. Big mistake. You're supposed to say those those things to your confessor or your spiritual director, or to someone even. He didn't say anything to anyone, but St. Francis noticed him sad. And he went up to him, and he wanted to talk to him. And at first he couldn't, but after a while, after several times... The monk did agree to talk to him, and he said to him what had happened. And St. Francis, very gently, said to him, You have been deceived. This is not our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what. And here St. Francis exercised some of that authority of a spiritual director. He said to him, The next time he appears to you, because he's the devil, the next time he appears to you, you say to him, Open your mouth and I will fill it with filth. St. Francis used much stronger words, like much stronger words, but I will not use them here because I don't know if people would understand that St. Francis was a very particular character. He used much stronger words, but he basically said, when he comes again, you tell him, open your mouth and I will fill it with filth. So the monk is like, okay, you have to consider here the act of obedience because the monk was seeing our Lord Jesus Christ appear to him later on some theologians have said and said to saint Teresa of avila that doing these things is not the best way to go but saint francis as i said was a very special particular character so the monk is there and then our lord appears to him again not not our lord but the devil appears to him again with this shape of our lord and he starts talking to him and the monk didn't even let him talk he said to him open your mouth and i will fill it with filth And the devil, who is so proud, was very humiliated by this and he got very angry. And all the brothers that were around felt the mountain shake and there were rocks that fell because the devil was so angry. But the monk was freed from that temptation, thanks to the intervention of his spiritual director, St. Francis. Now we come to the practical part of the program. How do you do it? How do you do a spiritual direct transition, so you could say? I would not presume to dictate a method in particular, let alone to priests, on how to do it. Uh, We actually will have one episode for that, uh, not for priests, but for seminarians in case they're interested. But don't ever go to your priest and tell him to listen to that episode. You know, let let him do that if he's interested. I do want to tell you, however, what I learned from my first spiritual director. First thing, the place. Well, for for both men and women is going to be the confessional. Men can have a spiritual direction done in other places. Women, obviously, uh, should not, because you don't want to have a man and a woman, uh, the priest and a woman in a place alone. It's just not proper. But women, if they're not, if they don't have access to the confessional, or, or if the priest is far away, can use letters, and can use phone calls, as long as they don't, uh, they don't share their sins or very personal things through those means. It's better to keep it general and not, not specific. How do you do it in the, the manner? The first thing is you want to set up an appointment for spiritual direction. You don't want to show up on a Sunday Mass right before Sunday Mass and say, I want spiritual direction. That's not the time because there's a lot of people that want to go to confession. You will take a while. So no. For spiritual direction, you need to have a special time and it should be rather done with an appointment. How do you prepare about it? Well, beforehand... You know, you might have some spiritual notes, some spiritual diary or notebook. Well, think of the advice that the priest gave you last time. Okay, last time he told me to do this, he told me to fast so many times, or he told me to pray like this and that, to read this and that book. Think of the faults that you confessed last time, of your venial sins that you have been confessing. The priest wants to keep track on you, but you shouldn't expect the priest to remember In particular, every advice or command even that he has given you is your job to remember those things. And you could be able to come to confession and say, well, Father, last time you told me to do this, you told me to do this and that. I've done this, but I failed to do that, so forth and so forth. So you need to prepare in that way. Now what happens when you go to confession? You go into the confessional, you'll go to confession as usual, say the things that you usually say, and at the end of your confession, before uh, you finish your your sins, uh, or before you, you have the priest uh, give you absolution, you say, I would like to go to spiritual direction as well. And here the priest might ask you questions, he might not. Whether if he does or not, my priest, my spiritual confessor, my spiritual director, he would always ask me the same set of questions. And that's what I'm going to tell the seminarians in that particular episode if we do it. But for yourself, know that these are the things that you want to go over. The first one is going to be mental prayer. And in mental prayer, the priest should ask you or you should tell the priest, have you been faithful to the time that you have allotted for mental prayer? What method, what manner has the Holy Ghost moved you to do? You know, are you doing meditation? Are you doing contemplation? Are you thinking of the passion? Are you thinking of your sins? What's happening during mental prayer? The other thing that is going to come up or should come up is spiritual reading. Are you doing your spiritual reading faithfully in the time that you have? Uh, what books are you reading? Uh, he might give you some recommendations. He might say, well, in your particular scenario, in your particular situation, this book would be very good for you. And so have you been praying, excuse me, reading every day? That's going to come up. The third thing that come up should come up, Is mortification and penance. And so here the priest might ask you, or you should tell him, have you been faithful to your penances that you have established? You should have certain acts of mortification, little though they may be, but that you faithfully do every time you always do them. And here, if you want to do anything extra, you would ask for permission. You would tell the priest, I would feel. I could do this or I should do that and, and I want to ask for your permission. And then he says yes or he says no. And, and either way, you win. The fourth thing that should come up is, have you been doing your examination of conscience? Have you been examining your conscience every day, making sure that you do it carefully, not just willy-nilly, that you see the virtues that you've practiced, the, the removal of this particular defect or fault that you're prone to, etc., etc. And this brings us to our fifth point. It should come up in spiritual direction also. What is my predominant fault and what is the virtue that I seek to acquire? What is the thing that is my main downfall and how am I opposing it? And here one should say, well, have I been better since the last time I went to confession? Have I been worse? Uh, Has this virtue improved or not? And humbly, one can say there's nothing wrong with saying, well, I see that God has given me the grace to be more humble or I see that God has given me the grace to be more obedient. Uh, Not nearly as I should be, but I see that, that there has been improvement and I'm thankful for that. And so that is good to know as well. Finally, the sixth point that should come up is what I mentioned before to recall the advice, the corrections, the commands that were given last time. Father, well, you told me to do this, you told me to do that, and I have or I haven't done it. Sometimes people might go to spiritual direction, and they might find themselves um, falling into the same things, or they might find themselves not improving. But if you're keeping a certain level of spiritual interest, if you're trying to do at least, you know, keep those, those good practices to some level, You should not be discouraged and you should not cease to come to spiritual direction. Uh, You should continue to come. Maybe we will bring it down a level. Maybe they will say, okay, well, let's try to focus on this part and that part. And then later on, we'll think of other things. But don't be discouraged if you find yourself imperfect, because that's what this is for. Spiritual direction is to bring you towards perfection, to keep walking towards perfection. But it's not supposed to be to make you perfect right now. That may never happen, it, or it will never happen fully until we get to heaven. Now, as I say all these things to finish this part, uh, they should be covered briefly. Uh, you don't need to talk a lot about it. Uh, maybe the prayer part, you need to talk a little bit more. But this this can be covered in 10 minutes or less sometimes. What is very important is this, that you are quite honest in revealing to your confessor everything that you can so that he can understand you better be truthful be sincere if anything be more uh, be more against yourself less lenient towards yourself than you would think of yourself as your own accuser the more than your confessor knows about yourself if he is your spiritual director the better it is for for him being able to give you advice so this is all the things that you should do when you go to spiritual direction Now it's time to go to our quote from scripture, and today's quote is quite related to what we were talking about, how the confessor has a certain assurance to give you the will of God through his advice, and the quote is from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10, verse 16. Our Lord is sending the disciples to the people to preach. This is the first time that he sent the 72 to preach, and he says to them, He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despised you despised me, and he that despised me despised him that sent me. And here our Lord is touching on a very interesting, tom- a, a very interesting point of the, that hierarchy. God the Father sent our Lord Jesus Christ. When we hear our Lord Jesus Christ, we hear God the Father. It is the same message that, that our Lord is giving us through him through the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ then sent his apostles and and his disciples with his own authority, meaning the bishops and the priests went out to the world and are out in the world today with the same authority of Christ. And so our Lord says, he who hears you, hears me. And he who hears me, hears my father. And so in spiritual direction as well, when we hear the priest, when we hear his advice, when we follow his commands, his lead, we're following our Lord Jesus Christ, and in following our Lord Jesus Christ, we're following God the Father. What about the things that we see in the church today? I have to bring this up because I know that it's in everybody's mind. What about the things that we see when there are priests that are giving bad advice and are and saying bad things and all that stuff, even popes and even bishops? Well, in those cases, you see that there is a Uh, disagreement between what our Lord Jesus Christ said and what they say so is it that the promise of our Lord did not come true no is that they stepped out of the church is that they are not part of the church they are no longer representatives of our Lord Jesus Christ when they do that and so all you have to see is okay is this something that is in the same line is the priest is telling me what our Lord Jesus Christ told me, what God the Father has told me through our Lord Jesus Christ, then I can be assured that in the little matters, in the matters of my decisions, in the matters of my spiritual practices, in the matters of what is best to to do, I can be assured that what the priest tells me is what Jesus Christ is telling me, and what Jesus Christ is telling me is what the Father is telling me. And you can always go, of course, to what the Church has always taught. If the church has always taught these things, then you know that you are there where the priest is truly the representative of our Lord Jesus Christ. So once again the quote from Scripture is He that heareth you, heareth me. And he is that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. That is our quote from Scripture, from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10. Verse 16. Okay, we're almost done with today's episode, but before we go, I want to cover two things. What not to do in spiritual direction and what to do if you don't have a spiritual director. First, what not to do. Number one, you should not seek in the spiritual director director for a psychologist or a comforter or someone with whom to share your personal issues or emotions in order to seek validation. He is not a person you go there to vent out with. That's not what this is for, as I've said before. Now, it is valid to go and seek for advice and even sometimes to go and seek for comfort. You know, especially when you're tempted, you go to the spiritual director so that he holds you in your place and you're able to persevere. But that is just in order for you to continue your spiritual practices. In other words, from you, it is expected to have a serious effort of sanctification, And spiritual direction is meant to do just that, not so much to help with the personal issues, with the personal problems of your daily life. For that, the same priest might be available, and he's also there to help you, but that is not done in spiritual direction. It is done in the confessional or in spiritual guidance or a regular visit. This brings us to point number two. You should not seek for a personal relationship or interchange with the spiritual director. Dinners, phone calls, having recreation time together, you know, come to my house to have a drink or whatever is ordinarily out of the question. I say ordinarily because the spiritual director might also be your parish priest. And in those cases, yes, sometimes they might be some more leisured conversation, uh, you know, with the Holy Ghost still present. There might be calls for a visit, you know, in Christmas or certain places or times. But then you are visiting as uh, your pastor. You're seeing him as your pastor. When it comes to spiritual direction, that is meant to be with a distance. There should be a distance kept between uh, the penitent and the confessor in order to keep respect and in order to keep things strictly spiritual. And also in order not to hinder the freedom of the confessor to tell you the things that he needs to say. The number three would be you should never judge your confessor or think less of him, or change willy-nilly from one to another, unless there is a serious reason for it. Most of the times, God will use the person that he has given to you to lead you to sanctity. Even if you dislike his method, even if if you dislike his manners, he might be a person that is very rude to you, or someone that you feel a little bit oppressed when you talk to him, or whatever. Even then, God will use them. Maybe that's exactly what you needed. So stick to one as long as there is no serious reason to move. I'll say this particularly if you're known to be unstable. If you're a person that is, you know, you know yourself to be, uh, to change and to be always seeking for new things and never to remain steady on something, all the more reason for you not to change confessors uh, lightly. But this brings us to the next point. At the same time that I say this, If there are prudent reasons to change confessors, the church wants you to be absolutely free to do so. Even if the confessor tries to say otherwise, even if the priest goes and says to you, no, you shouldn't change confessor. You cannot go to confession with anyone else because I am your spiritual director. In that case, you have to to simply be aware of the fact that, no, the church does not want that. The church wants me to be free in this matter. And I'm absolutely free to go and ask other priests and even to change my spiritual director. How can you be safe and sure that it is not yours, your, your inadequacy or your own stability? Well, ask other priests about it and tell them sincerely. This is what's happening. This is how I feel. This is what he's telling me. Should I change or should I remain? The priest might tell you, no, you should stay with him. Or the priest might say, no, you, you can go to someone else. So that is the most prudent way to go about it. Nothing wrong then with asking for a different confessor or trying to change your spiritual director, as long as it is done, as I say, preferably with the help of other priests. Now, this brings us to our last point, and with this, we finish today's show. What if I cannot find a spiritual director? This will be, as I said in the beginning, this will be the case for many. If that is the case, then you can be assured That God will give you the strength, that God will give you the grace and light to do what is right and better for you. What to do, though? If this is the kind of scenario that you find yourself in, the best thing to do is to read extensively. Read a lot of spiritual authors, read a lot of books from the saints, writings from the saints especially. In that way, from here and there, you will get from them the doctrine that you would be lacking from a spiritual director. I will say, however, to finish, always, or almost always, especially nowadays, you will have access to a priest, whether it be by phone, or by message, or by email, or whatever. And you should use that for important questions, for important decision-making. And in that case, even if you're unable to do actual spiritual direction, try to run your decisions, your big decisions and questions, through a priest. In this way... You will remain safe as you make progress through your spiritual life. This was another episode of The Spiritual Life. I am your host, Father Carlos Cepeda. Send us your questions and comments, and we will be happy to answer them. You are watching or listening to The Catholic Wire. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.